The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Yoma has been dedicated in memory of Mazal Bat Esther Baghdadi and Yosef Ben Mazal Baghdadi by their family. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf has been dedicated by North Fork Bank and its private banking department with Gabriel Safti. Hashem Ishmedehu Bihayehu. We would like to thank North Fork Bank and urge our listeners to patronize this generous financial institution. On a uh, private note, we'd like to thank Mr. Gabriel Safti for his continued support for all our programs here at uh, Daf Yomi, Torah Learning Resources, and the Torah Center. Today's Daf has been dedicated in memory of Yosef Ben Mazal and Shalom Rafael Ben Mazal. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden Amen. Daf Nun Dalid. Today's Daf is being studied by Anu Nishmat Avraham Ben Esther. Ruach Hashem Tanihem Began Eden Amen. Today's Daf is being studied. Natslahat Hayale Savali Israel Aomdim Al Nishmar Arzenu that are protecting Barzat Hashem Shatad Shmaya our borders. Hakadosh Baruch Hu should give them success. By Bashab Aviru Bayam on all fronts and Borei Olam should also give an extra Shemira Yetera to the inhabitants of Eretz Yisrael, specifically those that are living in the north, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should be Shomer Yisrael, Shomer She'erit Yisrael, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will bring us Yeshua'ot V'Nechamot, and Besorot Tovot, Le'am Yisrael, U'Bal Esiyon Go'el, Amen Amen. We begin today's daf on Nundal Ramud Rishon, and we are uh, three lines from the top. We learned on yesterday's daf that according to Ula, he quoted a conversation of Rabbi Shimon and Yochai that said the Aaron was Nignaz bin Komo. It was actually uh, buried in its place in the Kodesh Kodashim. And what was his proof? So he quoted a pasuk, the pasuk is in Melachim Aleph, that basically said, the Aaron was in its place until this very day. So implying that when it says Adayomaze, it means forever. It's there forever. So to that the Gemara says, So Rabbah tells Ulah, From where is it Mashma in this Pasuk that the Aaron was there forever? Because the Pasuk does say that the Aaron was there until this present day. So the Gemara is, Rabbah says, What do you mean? Every time we see the Pasuk that says, it means forever. If it says when we're conquering Eretz Yisrael, says, the sons of Benjamin were not able to conquer the Yivusi people that were living in Jerusalem. And the Yivusi people remained in Yerushalayim until this present day. You mean to tell me that they did not go into exile, that what? That they sat with Binyamin, Binyamin and Yibusi remained in Jerusalem 
uh, till this present day? Can't be. How do we know? Because we can quote Pesukim now that they showed to us there was a time that Jerusalem and Eretz Yisrael was desolate from everything. Not only human beings, the Gabbana of Sukkot is going to say, but even animals. There was nothing left. So how could you tell me that they were staying together? Binyamin and Yibusi lived together. Adayom Azit. Cannot be forever. How do we know? Because we have a pasuk. They all actually have a brayta. Be'atanya Rabbi Yehuda Omer, Hamishim u'shtaim shana. There was a fifty-two year period between the Churban Bayit Rishon after the destruction of the first temple. From the time that Sidkiyah Melech was sent into exile until Koresh announced the um, permission to go rebuild the second Beit HaMikdash. So during those 52 years, and we'll explain exactly how we calculate the 52 years immediately. But the point of the Gemara is, Lo Avar Ish Bihuda. Not a human being. Uh, traversed the area of Yehuda, on the mountains, it's referring to the mountains of Yerushalayim, I will uh, raise a, a cry, and, and woe, and in the, and the, in the uh, Midbar is the, the deserts, the nice deserts, Kina lamentation, because they became parched. Okay, Nitzitu, they became parched without person passing by. And they they uh, will not hear the sound of cattle, I mean there were no animals. From the birds of the heavens, till the animals halachu. They wandered and gone. Now the word behemah in this pasuk is extra. Because you just told me that there was no cattle. So why does it have to say behemah? So the Gemara makes a derashah and says, Behemah begematria hamishim ushtayim avu. The word behemah, the numerical value was what? 52. So therefore that teaches to us that how long was Israel, Yerushalayim specifically desolate, during the times of the Hurban uh, Bayt Nishon, gematria behemah, 52 years. And the Gemara goes on to say, Tanya, we have a brighter regarding the Galut, Rabbi Yosemir Shev al Shanim Nitkayema, Gofrit Vamelah. There's a Pasuk that predicted, Gofrit Vamelah, Serefachol Arsa. It's going to come a time that the whole land is going to be like uh, Gofrit was with sulfur, and Melah is salt, Serefah, the whole land is going to be burnt. So it says, during the time of the Galut, of Bayt Rishon, for seven years, this Beracha was fulfilled in Israel. How does Rabbi Yosei know it was for seven years? Atya berit berit. He has a gezeras shava berit berit. Ketivaka. It says when the Malach Gavriel was telling Daniel about the destruction, he said, "Vigbir berit la Rabbim." Now. Uh, the word Rabim over here, Rashi explains, is referring to the Sarim, to the ministers of Babel. Vihigbir berit l'Rabim, which means the ministers of Babel are going to become elevated over Menei Israel. They're going to fulfill the berit, the covenant. And how long did this, uh, this covenant that's going to be fulfilled by the Sarim of Babel, how long did the Malach Tadlil is going to last for? Shavua Ehad. 
One year. Shavuot can also mean, uh, uh, not one year, sorry, Shavuot is seven. Shavuot Ahad was referred to seven years, which is going to be a certain covenant that what? Is going to last for seven years. And what was it? It says by the Pasuk where God predicts that there's going to be the Gufrit Vamelach, the Amiru Avotam. So therefore, the Biyochanan makes a Gezerat Shavad that the punishment that the Oyev was going to do to Klai sale was that we're going to burn the land. And since the Pasuk over there in Daniel says it was for Shavuot for seven years, so we know that the Gufit Vamelach Kelala happened for seven years. So bottom line, we have a question. Hey, you're telling me, it says, that means forever. I got a pasuk over here about the Bnei Binyamin that were living in Yerushalayim. And it says they were there, and we know that's not so, because we have pasuk that say that the land was desolate. The difference is in the word sham. By the, the Aron, the Pasuk says, Sham implies they were there in that spot, and that means literally, until today. However, by B'nai B'nyamin, the Pasuk just says, um, until this day, but doesn't say the word Sham. So therefore, it's not to be taken literally. Now we have to do the calculation for a moment. How do we get these 52 years between the destruction of Bayit Rishon and the uh, Kodesh's permission to build the Bayit Sheni. So let's read the top Rashi. Nun Bet Shana. Nun Bet Shana ya meharbot Yerushalayim begalut Tzitkiyahu from the time that Tzitkiyahu Melech went into exile al pikidat Kodesh until Kodesh gave the permission Sha'alu levnot abayit and he gave them permission to go build the second bayit Sha'are lesof ayin legalut because uh, that happened at the end of 70 years of galut Yoyakim ayta hapikida kemosh shenir megila now the Gemara is going to explain that what? in Masech and Megila it says v'yud chet shana hayam mikibush yoyakim from the time that he was conquered and exiled, it was 18 years from Yoyakim that the Beit Mikdash was destroyed. Now let's do the calculation that she's going to tell us. The Amar Mor. Galu Sheva, Galu The Gevara says the Jews were exiled in the 7th and they were exiled in the 8th. They were exiled in the 18th and in the 19th. What does this mean? So the Gemara explains over there. Now we know that Yechonia was one of the kings of Yehuda. He was sent into exile with the Tamideh Hachamim. That was the first wave of exile that Nebuchadnezzar sent into Galut. Now, that was in the seventh year after Yehoiakim was captured. Yehoiakim, the king of Israel, was captured. So, seven years into his capture, Yehoiakim uh, was sent into exile. Which was the eighth year of Nebuchadnezzar. Which means, Nebuchadnezzar was king for a year before he sent Yechonia into exile. So when the Gemara says, Galu Sheva, Galu Shmone, it's seven counting from Yehoiakim's uh, kidnapping or uh, um, 
uh, taken into captivity. It was the eighth year from Nebuchadnezzar becoming king. Now continue. Galu Sidkiyahu Vigaluto. The next exile was Sidkiyah Melech and his exiles. Bechormot Pirushan Bishmona Asar Likivush Yoyakim. That was in the 18th year after Yoyakim became captive. Shehu Chaitzel Nebuchadnezzar. Which was the 19th year in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Tamar Mor Shanari Shona Kivesh Nineve. Right? The first year. Nebuchadnezzar conquered Nineveh, Shinia Alav Kivesh Yoyakim. And in the second year, he conquered Yoyakim. So therefore, uh, we know the first year, Nebuchadnezzar didn't do anything, he just conquered Nineveh, and then the Galut began. So basically, from Yehoyakim until Sidkiyahu is 18 years. And then from Sidkiyahu, it says there was 52 years of desolation. That would take you to 70. And then in the 70th year, we don't know, Galut was 70 years, uh, Kodesh gave permission to go back to Yerushalayim for the Bet HaMikdash to be rebuilt. So that's how you get the calculation of the 52 years. Comes the Gemara and continues. The Gemara says, he's giving us a rule now. Anytime it says the word Sham, like it says by the Aron, you mean it's forever? Till this day, Metive, we have a pasuk. Umehem min benish Shimon, from the sons of Shimon, halechu lehar seir anashim amesh meot. Because 500 men went. Tahar seir, uflatya unarya urfaya veoziel benishi berosham. And these were the names of the members that were leading the armies. And they destroyed any uh, remnants of the um, refugees of Amalek. And they sat in Harsir, Ben until today. And it says, It says the word Sham. Now, we know they're not there. Why? Ukhvar ala Sanhirib melech ashur ubilbel kola arasot. We know that Sanhirib eventually came and he took all the inhabitants of all the lands and he was mebelbel them. Whoever was sitting in one land, he took them and switched them and put them in a different land. And he took the inhabitants of other lands and relocated them in a different place. Shine'imad ve'asir gibulot amim. But the Pasuk says regarding Sanhirib, um, uh, I will uh, untie the boundaries of nations. shosati, And their um, treasures I will plunder. Which means he opened up the boundaries of nations. There was no such thing as boundaries anymore when Sanhirib came. Even though a country was established in a certain place, not anymore. He moved them all over the place, including... The Benishim on that were in Har Seir. So how could you tell me that they're there? Sham Adayomazir. We know that Sanhirib mixed up the whole world. Kemara indeed says, Tiyufta. Kemara leaves this in a question, meaning, Mula, your version of the Bishamon bin Yahai is a question. Because again, the source for the Bishamon in Yohai, that the Aaron was Nignaz, was based on a pasuk that says, Ad Sham Ad 
But now we're saying that the word Sham Adayom Azir doesn't imply forever. Therefore, your version of Rabbi Shalom Yochai is inaccurate. Therefore, we're going to take the first opinion of Rabbi Shalom Yochai that said that Aaron indeed was sent into Galut. Comes the Gemara and continues. Tana. We have a writer. Bachamim Omrim. Now we have a third opinion on what happened to the Aaron. Aaron belishkat dira etzim haya ganuz. There was a special uh, chamber in the Beit Hamikdash, like we learned in Masechet Shekalim. It was called lishkat dira etzim. That's where the Kohanim that were baalemumin, who were un- that had blemishes on their bodies, who were unable to serve as you know avodah in service, so they were in charge of checking the wood to make sure that it was not wormy, that there were no worms in the wood, so they would you know, chop the wood in half and, and uh, check it out. So that was called Nishkat Dir Ha'etzim, that you had the offices of the wood. So that's where the Aron was, Ganuz. We also learned in the Mishnah, There was a certain Kohen, that was, according to Rashi, he was uh, being misahek. He was acting a little light-headed uh, in the lishkat dira'itzim, in the wood chamber. He saw a tile on the floor that was not level with the other tiles. And he understood that something's going on over here. So he went and he let his friend know what's going on. Meaning before we got a chance to reveal the, the place where the Aron was, then his neshama left him, he died. And then they knew, meaning explicitly or clearly, that indeed the Aron was Ganuz in that place. So again, according to this version of the Gemara, it's because he was lightheaded, and he was not treating it with the proper respect. So when he came to reveal it, um, he got punished. But you see, it wasn't the deer. How it seemed. So Gemara says, Maya va'avid. What was he doing, this guy? Meaning he was playing around with his axe. Which means that was the axe that was used to cut the wood. So he was fooling around with his axe, and uh, that's what happened when he came to reveal the place. Now, According to this version of the story, there were two Kohanim that were Ba'ale Mumin, and they were involved in checking the wood to see if they had worms in them, because any wood that has a worm in it is Basul for the Mizbayah. One of them's axe fell out of their hands and it landed exactly on that spot. And a fire came and consumed it. It's not really clear from the Gemara what did the fire consume? Did the fire consumed the axe that fell or did it consume the Kohen that went to retrieve his axe? Comes the Gemara and says, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda brings a contradiction in Pesukim. One Pesuk says, Now, let's review the uh, Kodesh Kodeshim for a second. You had the Aron. The Aron had poles on the north and south sides of it. 
sticking out. So look at exactly how long were these badim. But it's clear in the Pasuk that it says they were visible. Mm-hmm. They were visible from the people that were outside the Kodesh Kodashim. That's one Pasuk. The heads of the badim, of the poles, were visible. We got another Pasuk. That they were not visible on the outside. Make up your mind. How do you square that? They were seen and they were not they were not seen. Meaning the Gemara is explaining that you had a curtain, right? The parochet in front of the Kodesh Kodashim. The poles would uh, protrude out into the curtain. And therefore, if you're looking on the outside, you would see a protrusion. So they're seen, but they're not. I mean, you know they're the Badim, but you can't see the Badim. And the Gemara says in a different place, um, they were uh, like, um, uh, the Gemara is going to say now, they were like uh, the, the, the Dadim of an Isha, like the breasts of a lady that you could see them protruding, but you cannot uh, see them actually. So that's what the Gemara says now. Tanya abadim. So the heads of the Badim were seen. Yachol. Does it mean to say, Lo yeyu zazin memekoban? Which means, do you mean to say that they didn't move them? Obviously, you can't move them from their place. So what? Does it mean you just opened up the, uh, the, the parochet? So everybody just got a few of them? Is that what it means by you know? We know you didn't take them out of their, uh, their, their, their sockets, their holes. So the only option you done what? Did you just open up the curtain so everybody uh, can see it? So the Gebarah said, No, Tamudomar, Badim. No, all the Pasukas say, no, they, they, they extended them. They extended them somehow because it's permissible to extend them. And you can't take them out. So they go, okay, fine. So you extended them. Okay, so you extended them so they were hitting the parochet. So does it mean to say that they were extending into the parochet so much that they pierced a hole through the parochet that you were able to see the actual badim themselves? Did you didn't see them? So what was it? They would protrude, uh, they, would be, they would push and protrude into the parochet. That are like under the garment. Like the Pasuk says, Shaddai is like Shaddai, is the breast of a lady. That God rests the Shekhinah between the Shaddaiim. In between the Aron, between the protrusion of the poles. So that's the way the Gemara reconciles these Pesukim. When the Jewish people used to go up for the Regel, for the Shalosh Regalim, Megalelin Lahenet Aparochet. They used to open up the curtain of the Kodesh Kodashim Umarim lahem et kirubim Shayu me'averim zebazeh That the actual kirubim, uh, which were the cherubs on top of the Aron which had the face of, let's say, a boy and a girl they were actually hugging, hugging each other they were embracing each other and the Kohanim would show this to Klai Yisrael Ve'ayu ve'omrim lahem Look how much God loves you. Look at the um, the endearment that God has, like the love of a 
a boy to a girl. Which means the Kirubi were actually the barometer to measure the emotional connection between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klai Sale. So when the Regalim, everybody came up and is serving HaKadosh Baruch Hu, so to give the Klai Sale a Chizuk, they would open it up. And to show them this this is a vision. Now, so, uh, some of the Mephashim want to say that this was not really too visible to Klai Sale because the closest Klai Sale can stand is really in the Azat Yisrael, which is, you know, very, very far back. You have a lot of rooms uh, separating. You have the Mizbah Aitzon right in front, and then you have in front of Mizbah Aitzon, you have the Ulam, and then you have the Hechal. So it's very uh, difficult to understand where was B'nai Yisrael exactly standing where they were able to see into the Kodesh Kodashim. So some want to say actually the Kohanim saw this, and they conveyed the message to Klai Yisrael. So it was only the Kohanim that could stand in the Kodesh that had a view of this. In any event, Gemara says, Mativ Rav Chizda. Rav Chizda comes along and has a question. It says by the Leviim, Velo yavo'u lir'ot kebala et Kodesh. Which is, we have an Isur in the Torah. The word Kebalah means to conceal, to cover. Now, I'll explain to you this Isur over here. We know the Levim were in charge of carrying the vessels of the Mishkan during the Midbar. However, the Torah tells us that before they carried them, the Kohanim would actually wrap each vessel in a certain cover, and then the Levim would carry them covered. Because the Levim were not allowed to look at these vessels. Specifically the Aron. They were, even though they carried the Aron on their shoulders, they weren't allowed to see the Aron when they were carrying it. So the Kohanim first needed to put a cover on the Aron, and then the Levim would take it. So the Pasuk says, They weren't even allowed to watch the Kohanim as they were concealing the Kodesh. It's an Isur. And therefore, what does this mean? Amar of Yudam Arav. He explains it. Bish'at achnasat kelim lanartat shalayim. That this Yisud is referring to when the kelim were being placed in their cover. Which means you're trying to tell me that what? The Levi'im were not even allowed to look at the Aron. Now you tell me on the Regalim, they opened up the parochas so the whole nation could see the, uh, the Aron. Even the Levi'im that were in charge of carrying the Aron Kodesh, there was a specific issue they could not gaze at it. Even when they were covering it up, the Kohanim, they weren't able to look. Now you tell me, oh, Kleister gets to look at the, uh, the Aron? Amar of Nachman. So he said, yeah, there's a difference. That was referring to the Mishkan. That's when the Levim could not gaze at the Aron. However, we're talking about the Bet HaMikdash. What's the difference? So the Gemara is going to say, the relationship between God and Klai Yisrael was uh, much stronger, or much more, I'll say, we got used to it, the relationship, in the times of the Bet HaMikdash. For example, Mashal Lechala. Example to a Kala, to a bride. So long as she's just engaged and she's living by her father's house still. So she's still a little shy and reserved to her husband. However, once she moves into her father in law's house, which means after she gets married, then already she's a little more 
uh, you know, she's less reserved, I should say, with her husband because she's married. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Klaistail. When we were in the Midbar, we were just engaged, so we still had a certain uh, embarrassment, we had a certain shyness, therefore we couldn't look at the Aron and these holy vessels. By the time the Red Devagash was built, already the, it was like we were married, the relationship was much stronger, therefore we were able to, it's like the Gemara says, Gatsba, meaning we get used to it, it becomes, uh, it becomes uh, normal. Now therefore, at one time it was Asur, and eventually became permissible. Comes the Gemara and says, Mativ, Ravchana, Barav, Katina. He has a question, the following, Mishnah. What was the story? We learned just above. There was a Kohen working in the Lishkat Dira Aitim, in the wood chamber, right? And what happened? He came and he was about to reveal the place of the Aron, right? He saw it under the, one of the tiles that were not level. And what happened? He died. So what do you see? That even in the times of the Beit HaMikdash, to look at the Aaron is Asur. Otherwise, why did he die? You're telling me, no, no, this is Asur, it's only the Mishkan. After the Beit HaMikdash, it was okay. So what are you talking about? You see this guy over here, when he just went to the tile to go uncover it, to see the Aaron, he died. Amar So comes the Gemara and says, Nidkarshaka Amart? You ask me a question from uh, a divorce? At a time of divorce, you go back to the original uh, state, the state of love, which means you go back to the beginning. Meaning, when did this happen? In the second Beit HaMikdash. In the second Beit HaMikdash, it was after the divorce. Meaning, at the destruction of the first Beit HaMikdash, that was already the divorce between Klai Israel and God. And then for the second Beit HaMikdash, if what? We got remarried again. So we're starting, it's like the Mishkan again. It's like, uh, it's the beginning stages again. We have that uh, shyness again, that embarrassment. So it comes out according to this Gemara. Mishkan and second Beit HaMikdash had the same uh, Isu, the same uh, uh, level. And the Bait Rishon of Shilamo was considered the wedding. So during Bait Rishon, we were able to look at the Aron when they came up for Ole Regali, they opened up the Parochet, everybody could look at it, no problem. But during the Mishkan of Moshe and the Bayit Sheni, where the relationship was considered in the beginning uh, stages, then already it was Asur. Comes the Gemara to hold it. Bemai Askina. What are we referring to over here? Inema Bemikdash Rishon. So seemingly at this point, the only option we can say is we're talking about Mikdash Rishon, and the first temple, they moved the parochet in order to see the uh, Aaron, actually the Kiruvim, during the Regalim. Okay, what are you talking about? Niyavai parochet? Was there a parochet in Bait Rishon? We learned in Bait Rishon there was a wall. So what do you mean they moved the parochet? Ela <laughs> b'Mikdash Sheni. Let's see, it was Mikdash Sheni. Hold it. Miyavu. Kirubim, which means <laughs> there was no Kirubim in Bayachini. Just like we learned the Aaron was put into Giniza. What was on top of the Aaron? The Kirubim. These things were not there. So I can just, so now we're stuck. Which Mikdash are we talking that under the Galim they opened up the curtains? The Olam, the Mikdash Rishon. My Parochet, Parochet de Babe. Which means we're talking about the curtain that was in front of the Kodesh, between the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodashim, which means even though you had a wall, had the Kohen get in. Yeah, he, he couldn't walk through a wall. You had to obviously have a, a door, and in front of the door, you had a curtain. 
It wasn't a regular door with a, with a doorknob. In the Beit HaMikdash, there were curtains. So therefore, in the Bayit Rishon, they would just open up the curtains. The Gemara is going to say, you had a curtain separating the Hechal to the Kodesh, and the Kodesh to the Kodesh Kodashim. So they opened up these curtains, and they were able to see through. And the Gemara is going to prove this. The Gemara says, when we say, Parochet de Babe, the Parochet, the curtains of the doors that were by the Ulam, the Hechal, and the Kodesh Kodashim. The Amar Bizamarav, Sheloshah Asar Parochot Ayub Amikdash. So actually, in Bayat Shini, this statement is being said by now. In Bayat Shini, there were 13 different curtains at the Beit HaMikdash. Shiva Keneged Shiva Sha'arim. Seven curtains corresponding to the seven gates in the Hazara. Shtayim Hayu. Another two. Ahat Nefetroshel Hechal. Ve'ahat Petroshel Ulam. You had one at the entrance of the Hechal, and then one at the entrance of the Ulam. Ushtayim Badevir. You had two by the Kodesh Kodashim. According to the opinion of the Yehuda, like we learned, right. there was two separating the Amat Traksim. Right? To separate that Amah that was in Sefex. You had two in the Kodesh Kodashim. Ushtayim Kenegdam Ba'aliyah. Now it seems the Beit HaMikdash had a second floor as well. So you needed to separate the airspace of the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodashim on the second floor. So therefore above, meaning on the, on the Aliyah, you also had uh, two curtains separating Kodesh to Kodesh Kodashim. So altogether you had 13 curtains. But what do you see over here? That there was more curtains in the, there was curtains in the Beit HaMikdash. Uh, even though could, there was a wall, there was a curtain as well. So therefore in the time of the Bayit Rishon, you had a wall, but you had a curtain separating it from the Kodesh, just like you had curtains separating the Ulam to the Kodesh. So you can say you had one separating from the Kodesh to the Kodesh regime, even though you had a wall. Comes, so therefore the Gemara wants to say it's Bayit Rishon. It's Bayit Rishon, finished. Right, by You're right, but they're showing you that there was there was a lot of curtains in the Beit Hamikdash, which is just like there was a curtain separating the Ulam to the Kodesh that was in Bayit Tishon as well. So you said there was a curtain also between the uh, uh, the Bayit the, the the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodashim, even though there was a wall. Now she says, look at that she one two three four lines from the bottom. V'chiyechi, the first one on the line is V'chiyechi. Actually, three lines. Uh, one, no, one, two, three, four lines. She said, just like you see by the second Beit Mikdash, they had uh, curtains. So you have to say by the first Beit Mikdash as well. Comes the Gemara and says, different answer. Really, I'll tell you, we're talking about Mikdash Sheni. Ah, I thought there was no Kirubim. So the Gemara says, Kirubim did surta. You had uh, the image of the Kirubim painted or drawn on the wall. And when you walked into the Kodesh Gulazim, there was an image of the Kirubim on the wall. So we're not the actual gold Kirubim. There was a picture. No, so that's what, uh, no, no. There was no. Not talking about protruding. We said they opened up the curtain to see them hugging each other, which means miraculously the picture on the wall. Those kiddushim were hugging each other. So that's what they showed them. Now, how do you know there was a picture on the wall in the Kodesh Kodashim? So it says Abu Kaiba that were there, because it says in the pasuk regarding Bayit Rishon, ve'et kol kirot habayit regarding all the walls of the house. Mesav Kala 
which literally means it was surrounded by um, images or uh, artisan work. Kirubim, you had pictures of the Kirubim. Vetimorot would be palm trees. Ufture tzitzim, that were like blossoming flowers. Zahab, and they would overlay them in gold. Miyushar, flatten it. Ala mehuke, on the on the um, on the protrusion, on, on the um, on the yeah, the protrusion, which means they would draw them in the wall, and it seems they would overlay them with gold, and they would protrude from the wall. And it says uchtiv, and it says regarding the kirubim kemar ish veloyot that the kirubim were called maar ish like the uh, like the like the joining of the man and his companion. So the Gemara says, "My kemar ish veloyot amar barav shela ke ish hamore bilvaya shelo." Like a man that is hugging his companion, meaning his wife. So you see over here that there were images. Even in the times of Bayit Rishon, they had these stone images that were, uh, you know, engraved. So the same thing in the Bayit Shini, we'll say there was an image in the Kodesh Kodashim, that what? You saw a, uh, like a husband hugging his wife. Amar Takish. When the Gentiles came to destroy the Beit HaMikdash and they entered the Hechal, they saw the Kirubim were actually hugging each other. So they took it out to the marketplace and they said, Look at these Jews. That their blessing is a blessing and their curse is a curse. They're going to involve themselves in these things. They started to be mizazil, they started to belittle all those that originally respected B'nai Israel. They started to belittle us because they saw. It's nakedness. Now what is this last piece of Gemara saying? Seemingly when the Goyim came to destroy the Beit HaMikdash, so they came in, this is Bayit Shini, there was no Kirubim, but they saw the images on the wall. And on that day, the Gemara is telling you, the images were actually hugging each other, uh, like a man and a wife. When the Goyim saw that, they said, is this, is this the... Something for the Jewish people that says by them their beracha is beracha. So we know whoever uh, blesses the Jewish people gets blessed, and whoever curses the Jewish people gets cursed. Like the pasuk says, "Mebarechecha uh, baruch umkalilcha aor." So they were saying these Jewish people over here that were so influential that the beracha is beracha and the kelala is kelala. They're going to involve themselves in such a such a thing which the Green couldn't believe that there was actually images in the Kodesh Kodashim. And not only images, but that they were hugging each other in uh, like an intimacy. So the, uh, the Green that had such respect for Christ until that point, Kodmechabedeha, Heziluha. They said, what, what is this? Well, well, they were shocked to find this, uh, this in there. Now the, uh, the Rimigash asks that the Gemara Baba Batra, Tzaditet Amud Rishon, says that the Kirubim were the barometer, like we learned, to show the relationship between Kla Yisrael and the Kaddosh Baruch Hu. 
So he asks the obvious question on the day of the destruction of the temple. It's the last day you think they should be hugging each other. On that day, Borei Olam exiled us. And on that day, we saw it. They were hugging each other. So some want to say that this parameter was only said by the Kirubim of Moshe. But it was not said by the Kirubim that were on the walls. The Kirubim that were on the walls always were hugging each other. Um, to that, the Ritma asks, he says, if they were always hugging each other, then what was the Hiddush on the holidays? When they opened up the, the curtains, What do you mean? If they were always hugging each other, so there's nothing, uh, there's nothing new about that. So therefore, he wants to say like this, that it was a miracle. But it was a miracle lira'ah. Which means part of the, the galut and the destruction was God made a miracle to make us look bad. Which means, not only did they destroy the Beit HaMikdash, but God did something in order to cause the Goyim to have bad will against us. When they came into the Beit HaMikdash and they saw them hugging each other, they didn't understand it. So they were, It was a nest that it says, We add that to the, to the destruction of the Temple. That God was making miracles to work against us. Others want to say, that at the time of the destruction, we received kapara. What was the kapara for Christ? The destruction. Once we got kapara, we were clean again. So God was able to uh, show us a sign of affection. Others want to say that when the green came to destroy us, it made us look much better. Because when we stand alone, our sins stick out. But when you compare us to... The other nations, even at the time of our dereliction, were much better than the Goyim. And therefore, when the Goyim came into the story of Beth HaMikdash, their entry automatically uh, shone a more, po- casted a more positive light on us. Therefore, they were arguing. We explained also from the Ba'alim Musab that the Halakha says in Hilchot Nida, Hayab Adam Nifkodit Ishto, Kodem Tseto, a person, before he goes away on a business trip, if his wife is still around, he has an obligation to be with his wife. This is he has to show his wife uh, a sign of affection before he's going away on a trip. We're not going to get into the details of the halakha, but Bore Olam now was about to go away. He was about to leave uh, us for an exile that is now close to 2,000 years. And therefore, before he leaves us, he had to show us one last sign of affection. And therefore, it was almost like a goodbye kiss. It was a goodbye hug that Borelam, when he left us, he was leaving us with Ahava. Meaning, he wasn't just uh, uh, abandoning us totally. He left us with an encouragement before we left. And I'm still with you, like the Pasuk says, comes out according to this, that on Tisha'ab which is the day that we commemorate the destruction of the Megdash, if history repeats itself. So that day is the day of tremendous closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because the last time we received an embracement from HaKadosh Baruch Hu was on Shabbat, the day of the Hurban. So every year when that day repeats itself, a person can get very close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, I want to point out what the Maharal says. Maharal says over here something very, very important. The Yisod. This, these Kirubim, that indicated to us the Ahava of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Where were they located? They were located on top of the Aron. What was in the Aron? The Luchot, 
the Berot, the Sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote. Why were they placed there? Why couldn't you put the Kirubim anywhere in the Beit HaMikdash? If all they are is, is a, an indicator of what the relationship is, why do you have to put it on the Aron? So the Maral explains, because our relationship with the Kadosh Baruch Hu is solely dependent on Torah. Which means, so long as Am Yisrael is keeping the Luhot and is keeping the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote, then already the uh, connection between the Kadosh Baruch Hu is strong with us. Like we say, uh, Our connection to Olam, our connection to eternity is only through the Torah, Torah Temet. And therefore, Borei Olam says, if you want to be connected to me, you want to attach yourself to Akadol Baruch Hu, our attachment can only come through Torah, only through observance of the mitzvot. And that's a very important thing to remember as well. Ironically, on Tisha'ab we're not allowed to learn Torah because of the enjoyment that we get from learning. But the Torah, in general, is our... We're not allowed to learn most of the parts of Torah, I should say. But even on the Shabbat, there are certain halakim that we can learn. There's never a day that a Jew can be exempt totally from Torah. Because exempting ourselves from Torah is breaking the connection between us and the Kadosh Baruch Hu. So even on the Shabbat, I would say... Uh, to answer a question I started the shi'ur with is uh, it's ironic that on Tisha'ab in many communities there's more Torah learned on that day than most days uh, of course the Torah that you're allowed to study so you say why? because of the contrary since the whole connection that we have to Kedosh Baruch Hu is through the Torah as indicated by the Kirubim that were on top of the Aron and on that day they were hugging each other showing what? Kedosh Baruch Hu loves us because we're connected to the Torah so therefore even the day of Shabbat must be spent getting close to Kadosh Baruch Hu through the study of the Torah that is permissible on that day comes the Gemara and says we learned in the times of the second Beit HaMikdash, where the Aron was no longer, there was a rock on top of the place where the Aron was, and that rock was called Shitiyah. The Gemara says, nikret. The rock was called Eben Shitiyah. Tana. We have a statement from the Tanaim. Shemimena hushtat ha'olam. It was from that rock that the world was created, meaning the foundation of the world. How do you explain the word created or established? Founded. Founded, good. That was the cornerstone, let's say, of the world, in the center of Yerushalayim, and from there the world expanded. As the Gemara says, Keman de Amar, we found the opinion that says, Misiyon Nivra Ha'olam, which means that the world began its creation, its starting point was Sion. Sion meaning Yerushalayim and the Beit HaMikdash. The Tanya, we have a Braita. Rabbi Le'ez Romer Olam Me'im Sa'iton Nivra. says the world began at the center point. Shene Emar, Betseket Afar Lamutsak Urgabim Yedubaku. Which means there was a mutzak. Mutzak would be, let's say, a, a a starting point. And from the starting point of the universe, God just added clumps of dirt to the sides of it until you had the entire. Which means there was a center point, and then 
it kept on just expanding, God added, so to speak, clubs, the gabim, to the sides. That's what the opinion that says, it was from the center. He says the contrary, it was the opposite. God created, let's say, the sides first, the corners, and then filled it in. So that's the question which way we went. Did we go from the center and out, or did we go from the sides in? How do we know we according to the B, you are showing from the sides? So comes the Pasukan says, Shine Yomar, Ki la sheleg Yomar hu aris. God created from the snow, He created and turned it into earth. Vegeshe matar, Yomaru aris, Vegeshem matar, Vegeshem mitrot uzo. So you're counting over here four things. You have Geshem, matar, Geshem again in the Pasuk, it seems that these four types of uh, rains, we'll call them, were on the four corners of the earth, and from them, from the rains that were on the different areas, came the creation of the earth somehow in between them. Obviously there's deep esoteric meaning in these Pesukim, as we've said many times, Parashat Bereshit, specifically the first seven days of creation, or the six days of creation and Shabbat are the most difficult pesukim in the entire Torah. So again, we have a, a, a very um, elementary interpretation of our Gemara that you see either it started from a central point or it started from the corners and came in. Comes the Gemara and says, A third version. God took a stone and he threw it into the Yam, into the ocean. And from that stone that was in the ocean, the world was created from the Shnei On what is the world standing? The Yisodot, the foundations. Which means, it is from the uh, stone that God threw... It seems the foundations are drowned. Hutbao is drowned. Where they drowned the foundations? In the water. That's the rock that the Baruch Hu threw in the Yam. That's the foundations of the world. No, the world began from Sion. And incidentally, that's according to the same opinion of Rabbi Eliezer. Rabbi Eliezer said the world was created from the center. What is the center point of the world according to the Gemara? Yerushalayim, actually the Temple Mount, even Ashtiyah, is the central point of the world. So that he's just explaining the other opinion of Imsa'ita. In that event it says, like the song of Asaf, El Elohim Hashem, the song to Hashem, uh, the Pasuk uh, says then, Ve'omer, Misiyon Michlal Yofi. From Sion came the beauty. From Sion, the beauty of the world was completed. And therefore you see what? Sion was the starting point. That the Pasuk says there was Toldot HaShamayim. So the Gemara is Doresh. What is Toldot HaShamayim? The offspring of the Shamaim that has to be referring to the stars and the constellations. Mishamayim Nibreu, which means the stars and the constellations and all the things of the, of the sky were created from the 
Shamayim. Todot Ha'ares. Ha'ares Nebreu. And all the things that are on the earth were created from the earth. It seems there were different elements. Right. So all the elements of the Shamayim, the Pasuk is saying, Ele Toledot Ha'Shamayim. God created the Shamayim, and when He created the Shamayim, He created the Toldot Shamayim as well. And we created the Aris, He created all the Toldot Aris. That's guess, the animals, the fruit, the plants, the vegetation. So they were created from the Aris. He says, no, everything, even the Shamayim, was all created from Sion, starting from Yerushalayim, Shnei Emar, Mizmon Asaf. And Elohim Hashem Dimer Vayikra Ares B'mezrach Shemesh Ad Mebo'o So the Pasuk says when God created the world He created B'mezrach Shemesh From the sun From the sunrise Until it's set Meaning even the sun And the things in the heavens Ve'omer M'siyon M'chlal Yofi Elohim Ofiyah So it says M'menu M'chlal Yofiyo Shel Olam Jeez, When we talk about the creation of the world from Siyon Not only the world meaning the earth but even the Mizahshem is even the sun and the things in the Shamayim as well. It should be pointed out the Botai, if you see this Tosafot, be worthy just to read the first question of Tosafot, even though it's a very long Tosafot, but a very uh, famous Tosafot uh, in its uh, content. Tosfot says, Nishalti, I was asked a question. Al Otam Shemitsayirim be Mahzorim. Those that put on their Mahzorim, uh, their books, Tsurot Hayot ve Ofot. They draw pictures of animals and birds. Im Yafe Osim Imlav. Meaning, are you allowed to draw pictures of animals? Ve Shavti Nereli de Vadai lo Yafe Osim. He said it's not good. Shemitok shemistakelim b'tzorot halalu en mechavanim nibam naviim shemashamayim. Now they're going to look at these pictures over here and they're going to take their mind off the tefillah. Miu en kan isur delot ta'asel lechapesel. But there's no isur of don't make for yourself a graven image. The amaskinam beperikol atzelamim shani rabban gamliel da'achanim asulo. These items are just pictures, they're just the drawings, they don't even have a mashut, they're not like a tangible, and therefore he said, it's not a problem. The only time you hoshesh that a person is doing it for Avodah Zarah, only when it's bolet, when it's protruding. But not when it's uh, inside, it's, uh, that it's... Uh, Flat. This is not this is not shokeya. Bolet means protruding. Shokeya means embedded. This is neither. This is just on the surface. It's just uh, it's just paint. It's just a uh, it's just a um, coloring. A Jew would be allowed to paint these things. Not only a Goy would be allowed to do it, even a Jew could paint these pictures. The only time it's assumed when you draw a complete uh, face, Hakuk, uh, that's uh, engraven, Besheshar. Uh, so I guess uh, the metal but colors is okay like it says and then all those goes into are you allowed to make pictures of lions 
and different animals that are in the Maaseh Merkaba. So it should be noted that the Maaseh Acham of Adyar rules in Yahavedat, one should not uh, even engrave or embroider uh, the image of lions, for example, on the Echal, on the Parochet, or on, sometimes they have a Kuracha, Taledbeg. He says it's wrong. He says these images over since they were on the Kisah Kavod. They were representative on the Maaseh Merkaba, so certain images like uh, eagles and the lions, etc., they should not be even embroidered in these cases. Anyway, for more information, this Tosafot goes through what's permissible and what is not.